Eastside, how are we doing today? Man, I'm so glad to be here with you, to get to share God's word with you. I just wanna take a minute though and ignore you while I say hello to our amazing online audience. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the Eastside online community that we have been building over this last year and a half. And I wanna give a special shout out to our sweet family in Japan checking us out. Hello guys, we love you, we miss you. And guys, can we just say hello to them right here? Well, man, it's an honor to be able to stand here and to be able to present the word with you today. Uh, you know, if you know me, uh, you know that I'm the father of two precious, adorable, sweet little boys. And anytime that I get to show them off, I love to do that. So I got a sweet picture of them here. We got Roman, who's two and a half. He's coming up on three this summer. And then little Luke, he is coming up on the big one here in the next month. And they are just, man, they are the joy of our lives. And there's nothing like having kids. Uh, you know, Roman, he's at this stage now. He's an incredible big brother. It, it took him a little bit to get to that point. He didn't like us very much the first few months. But now that he's had Luke for almost a year, he, he loves him to death. He loves making bottles for him and helping us with that. He even throws away the dirty diapers. And oddly enough, he likes to watch the diaper changes and everything. So he's just a weird kid. But we love him to death, and he's an awesome big brother. And Luke, man, everything that they say about the number two child is absolutely true. He has tested us and pushed every button, buttons that we didn't even know existed in the parental guidelines, but he loves to challenge us and test us. One of the best pieces of advice I got from a very dear friend uh, who has multiple children, he said, moving from one to two is the big game changer. That's when you become a parent. Nothing against anybody that just has one, but two is a whole new level of parenting. You, you have multiple people that you gotta keep watch on. If one's down, one's running around, and these two like to run around, and they like to get a little bit crazy. But, uh, but right now, Roman is at a very interesting stage of life. You know, he's kind of reverting back a little bit. He's coming up on three, but he's kind of reverting back a little bit to some infancy habits. He, I think it may be a little jealousy that he sees whenever we're maybe still feeding Luke or holding Luke while he's feeding himself his bottle and everything. And there's times where Roman now has been asking us over the last couple weeks, if he sees us feeding Luke, he says, Dad, I want, feed me. Feed me a bottle. I want a bottle. I don't want sippy cup. I want a bottle. And I'm like, buddy, you're too big. And, uh, you know, I'll pick him up and I'll hold him and I'll feed him a sippy cup like it's a bottle. And uh, he also likes to get back in the crib. Now he's out of the, the crib and that's not his room anymore. He's in his big boy bed and Luke gets to have the crib. And so Roman just likes to go back to the crib. And that's all sweet and adorable and everything. But I got to thinking about that. And I was like, what would happen if, you know, they're, they're two and one right now. What would happen if in 20, 25 years from now, they show up at mom and dad's house and we're having them over for dinner or something. And before Roman sits down at the table, he just goes into the counter, uh, up to the cabinet and everything. He grabs a bottle. Uh, I don't know why we have bottles in two and 25 years from now, uh, but he, he grabs a bottle, he pours himself some water in it and he sits down at the table and then he just starts drinking out of it you'd probably be giving them the same reaction that you're giving me right now because it's like, that's weird, right? Because we would kind of ask a couple questions. Number one, we would say, Roman, have you hit your head today? Are you okay, son? Do we need to take you to a hospital? You don't need a bottle. Why are you drinking out of a bottle? Or we might say, what's in the bottle? Is it just water? And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you know that it's just water, okay? But we would ask those things because it would be so abnormal because he, his, he, he should have matured 
In 20 years, he shouldn't be at the infancy stage anymore. He should be maturing. And that leads us into this whole series that we're going to be talking through. It seems that the Bible takes a situation similar to that, that idea of moving from infancy to maturity, and the Bible addresses that in a couple of ways about our faith. So we're jumping in to this brand new series this week at Eastside, and it's called Quit Being a Baby, okay? And we have a sweet little uh, baby face. It's not Roman or Luke. That, that would be a great graphic, though. Sarah should have done that. Um, but maybe we don't have it. But anyway, I was gonna say thanks to Luke Wenger for providing us with the crybaby face that's on there, but uh, that didn't happen. So uh, we're jumping into this series to quit being a baby. And over these next three weeks, we're gonna look at three strategies that scripture seems to give us of how we can begin to mature in our faith, how we can go from that state of infancy into maturity. Think about it like this. You know, I told that little cute, funny story about Roman. Think about it like this. Think about you're a brand new Christian and you're sitting in church and the pastor asks you to turn to, let's say, Galatians chapter two. All right, that might take you 10, 15 minutes to find because if you're a new Christian, you just got your Bible, you might not know where that is and that might take you a little bit. But imagine that you've been a, a seasoned Christian, right? And we have some of those in the room that have been in the faith for several years, let's say 15, 20 years, and, and you're sitting in church and the, and the pastor asks to turn to Galatians chapter two. Well, let's imagine that it, it's still taking you 15, 20 minutes to find Galatians chapter two. Well, there, there's a problem there because we should have, in that time span, within our faith, moved on from a point of infancy to maturity to where finding that shouldn't be so challenging. But we got to look at how do we do that? How, how do we get into our Christian faith at the baby stages, and how do we quit being a baby and eventually move on and grow up into maturity in Christ and maturity in faith? And so the strategy that we're going to look at this week is the idea that we become mature in our faith as we learn God's word. It's as simple as that. We become mature believers in our faith. We become mature when we learn God's word. So let's go ahead and start looking at this text. It's gonna be found in Hebrews chapter five, and we'll read a few verses of it here, starting in 11. It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and the faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. So the writer in Hebrews here, he's talking to a group of people, it appears, that have been in the faith for a decent period of time. And we know that because he says, I want to get into some deeper conversation with you. I want to begin to move past the basics of the Christian faith, and I want to get deeper in the word with you. But he says to them that I can't because you've not matured yet. And he says you should have matured because he tells them what? He says you ought to be teaching this already. So that gives us an indication that this is a group of people that should have already been experienced enough in their faith to be able to teach this stuff. But he says, I can't even get into that conversation with you. And he gives this metaphor of, of being on milk versus solid food. 
And when we think about milk in this context, it's similar to that infancy you know, formula in milk for a baby. That's what they start out on. And for us, what we're talking about here with milk, we're talking about the basics of our Christian faith. We know that God loves us. We know what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we understand the basic thoughts and words of God through scripture. But, but he says that eventually you have to get to the point where you can take the solid food, right? So with us, with Luke being 11 months, we've been over the last couple months starting to prepare him to be able to move from just being on formula because we're gonna be switching that here in the next month and where he should just be on solid food because there had to be that maturing and that growing process. Even us physically, we have to be able to do that spiritually. Look at it a little bit again again here in verse 13 and 14. Uh, he, He specifies this a little bit more. And I wanna highlight one of the words in it. It says, anyone who lives on milk, being an infant still, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The Greek word for that there is teleos. And what that means is to be fully of age, or for completeness, right? That means that you've gotten to the full age that you should be. And it tells us here, and getting into the verse, uh, verse one of chapter six, it tells us the strategy of how we begin this maturity process. How do we move from milk to the solid food? And he says here in chapter six, verse one, therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings. Let's get out of the basics there about Christ and be moved forward, taken forward to maturity. Let's begin to go down this road. Let's begin this process. So what's that look like for us? Because we understand what what we're talking about today is we become mature in our faith as we learn God's word. So what's it look like practically? Uh, Look at the text one more time, and I highlighted something different in it. Verse 14, once again, it says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So how did they get to the solid food? They trained themselves constantly. Think about this. Think about you wanna build muscle, you wanna bulk up, maybe you're an athlete or something like that. Well, how do we do that? You go to the gym, and I I find it completely, side note here, I find it completely ironic that the guy that got asked to teach this message is a guy whose wife is a personal trainer, yet said speaker has never been to such gym in such a long period of time. So why they pinned this on me, I have no idea. But let's imagine that we're gonna go to the gym, right? And we wanna bulk up, we wanna gain muscle. How do we do that? How you don't do that is by walking into the gym, hitting the treadmill for 10 minutes, maybe pumping some uh, 10-pound dumbbells for a few minutes, heading over to the water fountain, getting you a drink break, maybe go talk to George, who you haven't seen in a while, but you ran into him at the gym, go back for another drink, get your towel, get your stuff, and head home. That was my workout. This is what it gets you. It doesn't get you muscle, okay? That was the, the workout of my life. But what do you do when you wanna build muscle? You got to get into the gym. You have to get on a strict eating uh, diet. You have to get on a strict workout regimen that you're going to, over a period of time, continue to gain more and more ability to lift more over a longer period of time, and you're gonna build muscle through doing that. So in the same sense, how do we do that spiritually? We, we know there, there's maps of how to do this for a physical workout if you wanna gain physically. But how do we do this for our spirit? How do we do this to to be better Christians? So I wanna look at a couple of things today and I want them to be very clear. I want them to be very simple and practical so that when you leave here today, you know exactly 
what we can do. We're gonna build a roadmap, we're gonna put a workout together, and we're gonna get to, get to work, okay? But don't worry, it's not the, the gym, okay? We're not going down to Planet Fitness or anything. Clearly you know that after talking with me for a few minutes. So here's what we, we wanna do. The very first step is I want you to get it. And I am, am absolutely literal when I say this. I want you to get a copy of the Word of God. And I know what you're saying, I, I have uh, my phone. I have my phone, I have my tablet, I can, I can just look on the internet and pull up Bible verses and stuff like that. But, but let, me go, let me go down a path here. There's a few roadblocks to reading the word of God on your phone. I love it, trust me. I, I was just talking to somebody in the comments today about looking up and, and being able to have that ability very quickly to look at different translations and everything. And that's awesome to have at our fingertips. But what also happens with our phone? Number one, they're battery powered. Right, so, so there is that opportunity that your phone battery dies and you don't have the ability to read the word of God or you could be in a place where the service isn't good or whatever the reason is, but the phones aren't always reliable. Another thing is when you're reading the word of God on your phone, what happens? We get distracted. Facebook notification pops up. Maybe somebody's trying to FaceTime you. You get that text message. You get that alert to go to the gym that you just swipe through and forget about. All of that stuff can happen when you're trying to read the word of God on your phone. And I don't wanna go on a tangent to make it just seem like an old school approach, but there is something powerful about having your own copy of the word of God. And so I wanna challenge you and say this to you. I want you to get this, okay? So literally today, if you do not have a copy of the Word of God, we have one here at Eastside that we like to recommend to people. Uh, it is the Life Application Study Bible. It's the NIV. It's a pretty big, hefty Bible because it has a lot of great material in it to study. And we have this for about $30. And today, we actually have a few copies here on hand. But if, if you're not able to get to one of those, we at Guest Point, if you go out into the commons, go to Guest Point after service today, you can pre-order this exact Bible and we will order it for you. You go ahead and pay for it today. We'll order it for you and it'll be here within just a few days and you can have a copy of a Bible. Let me tell you why it's important to me. Okay, th this means a lot to me. This is, um, this is our kids. It's the toddler Bible. This is not my Bible, okay? But this is the toddler Bible. And, and it's a physical copy because what happens is we've been able to take this Bible over the last couple of years, and this is what we've been able to use to introduce our kids to God's word. My, my son, you know, Luke's not so much on the phone, but Roman's on the phone quite a bit because he likes to look at our pictures and things like that. So Roman equates my phone to being able to look at pictures and stuff. He does not equate that to God's word. But this, he knows what we do with this. Every single night when we open it up and we read his stories. And I know what you're saying, man, I mean, it's falling apart. And believe me, it's not because we've opened it so much. It's because we have two kids that like to throw things. Um, and just the other day, Luke was crawling and he grabbed this off the shelf and the cover finally ripped off, bought it and it ripped off of it and gave out. And I just heard Roman scream, no, Lukey, what are you doing? And I said, what's going on? And he said, he broke it. And I said, well, I'm glad that you're very concerned about the Bible being broken. That's a good sign, son. Uh, but it's, it means so much to us because we know that it can be relatable to our kids. We know they know what it means when we open up that book. And so that's, this will always be special to us in our family. I, I was going through Facebook a couple months ago and I saw another story from a dear friend who had posted something and I was like, man, this would be really good uh, to show as an example. So I said, man, can I use this as an example? She said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, but this, they have a similar story. This lady in our church, she acquired and inherited her mother's Bible when her mother passed away. And she had posted this on Facebook, and I have a picture of it, and I don't know how well you'll be able to see it, but here on the side, there is 
a, a handwritten note next to this verse, and it says, I claim this promise on January 21st, 2003 for the saving grace of all my children, grandchildren, and great-grandbabies. And so here was the Facebook post um, that was written about this. It says, I got up one morning and went to my basement. I turned on the fireplace and opened up a worn and tattered Bible that I inherited from my mom. I let the fragile book fall open on my lap, and I noticed my mom's beautiful handwriting. It was so appropriate preparing me for that day as I was going to watch my granddaughter. I saw her handwritten note by a a, a Bible verse declaring her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren to the Lord. What a precious treasure to have in our time now to read these words and to look back at our family. All five of us have professed Jesus as Lord, and to my knowledge, their children do too. And of course, our little ones, talking about their their kids and grandkids, are being raised in the church. And that, that was from a prayer that they saw that their mother had written in 2003 that now 20 years later they can see have come to fruition. That happens when you have a physical copy of the Bible You're able to to take notes in it. You're able to write prayers in it. You're able to pray for your family through that. And then years later, things like this can happen. So I want you today to make it a point, whether you you order one out there or you get on Amazon right when you leave here and order that, I, I don't care how you do it, but I want you to get it. I want you to get a physical copy of the Bible. And then once you get it, I want you to read it. Simple enough, right? We get it, and then we read it. Guys, we, I, I have to just be honest with you for a moment, okay? We have to make reading our Bible a rhythm in our life. Reading our Bible cannot be at the bottom of our priority list. It has to be right up there with the things that we do each and every day. Just like you get up, you, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, hopefully you do those things. You, you go to work, you, you feed yourself, whatever it is. You need to make reading the Bible a part of that daily regimen. We, we can't make these excuses anymore. And, and I know what you're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe you say, hey, I've opened it before and I've read it, but I just struggle. And, and that's okay, we can be honest about that. I've, I've been there. We, we can have times where we open the Bible and we just say, I don't know how to do it. It's not like just some book from start to finish that you just read and you understand and everything like that. It has its challenges. So we need to come up with a way to make it easy for us to to read so that we'll actually do it. And I was talking to John Talbot, one of our pastors here, and John teaches a a class that we have at Eastside called Intro to the Bible. Uh, That's what it used to be, and now it's kind of turned into our fourth point, Intro to the Bible. Um, And I was asking John, what do we teach about this? Because we can Google it, and we can find all sorts of different practical ways and acronyms and all this stuff for how to read it. But I said, John, how how do we teach it here? Because if people go through fourth point and they hear it already, I just want to know what we're teaching them. And, And he said, he had a very uh, a simple way. There's eight small steps, eight small steps that if you begin to go by, this will make your Bible reading life so much easier. The first thing on this is to find a place, simple enough. Find a place. Where can you go to read God's word that won't be a distraction? Maybe it's somewhere like uh, the dining room table after everybody's left the house for the day. Maybe it's in your prayer closet if you have one. Uh, Wherever it is, you need to have a place that you know you can go to to read the Bible. Maybe you say, oh man, I just love to read the Bible on the beach. Well, unless you're at the beach every day, that can't be your spot because you can't get to that every day. Unless you're one of our online viewers in the state of Florida or somewhere like that, we envy you. We know you got the sunsets and you post all that stuff with your Bible pictures and it's all fine and dandy. But 
You guys need to be practical about this. We need to be realistic and say, where do I know that I can go every single day and I can read my Bible and it's not gonna be distracted? Second thing is to find a time. What point of the day is better? Some people are really early risers and like to get up at like, I don't know, three, four in the morning. I didn't even know that time existed. But some people like to get up at that time or some people are late night owls or something like that and they like to maybe stay up till 12 or one or whatever. But what time of the day for you is the, the most practical that you know every single day you can kind of carve this out and be able to read. Maybe it's a time where the kids have gone off to school for the day. Maybe it's on your lunch break that you have designated every single day. Maybe it's just in the evening once you get the kids down for bed. Whatever it is, you need to be intentional about finding this time and putting it on your calendar. Not just find it and say you'll do it. Put it on your calendar, carve it out, and make it a part of your day. The reality of this is we do that with so many other things. My calendar, I can pull it up right now and it, it, it's full of nothing because I'm a parent, so we don't do anything. But, but you know, your calendar might be full of sporting events. It might be full uh, of date night or maybe it's full of play uh, or rehearsals or something that your kids have going on at school. Whatever it is, you put those things in your calendar. Make this one of those things. Make reading your Bible one of those things that you say, I'm going to commit time to do it and I'm gonna mark it down and nothing is gonna waver that. So find a place, find a time, and then be quiet. Begin to set the atmosphere. Begin to set the tone for your Bible reading. Make sure all all the distractions are out of your head for the day. Everything that was going on that morning or that night, clear it all out and begin to just set a peaceful tone that you can begin to intentionally focus on quiet time with God. And then pray. Pray for God to give you revelation. Pray for God to give you a new set of eyes as you read whatever it is that you read. We, we truly believe that if we ask God to give us a clear set of eyes as we read his word, that he's gonna be faithful to do that. You know, here at Eastside, there's not one of us that would probably stand on this stage and say we've not read uh, particular verses at a time and then something new always pops out to us. We can read, you know, I know Dave's talked about it just in a few of the past sermons that he's read a particular section of text hundreds of times, literally, but on the hundredth time, something new stands out to him. And that happens when you pray to God, when you ask God to show you something that you've maybe never seen before. And then begin to just read a small section at a time. You you don't have to say, I'm gonna read the whole book of Revelation tonight. It's gonna happen. Pick a few verses, pick a paragraph, pick, pick a small chapter, pick something that's realistic to start and finish in that setting. Don't, don't try to overshoot this. And the reality is when you, when you pick a smaller section of text to start reading, you can focus more on that. You, you can dive into that a little bit more. So read just a little bit at a time. And you might be able to work your way up to maybe you have more time and you, and you can read a lot more. But start out small. Don't, over, don't overdo this. Start out small. And then meditate on it. Whatever you just read, let that marinate with you a little bit. Chew on it a little, but digest it a little. Figure out what that is that God was saying what, what did God mean by that text? What was happening? What, what's the context around it? What was going on at, at that period of time? Or what's the situation mean to us today? Begin to meditate on what God's word is saying. Write it down. Take notes. If you're a good note taker, this is right up your alley. Take notes and journal down what the thoughts you were having are, maybe what you thought God was trying to share with you, maybe just questions that you have about it that you wanna go ask somebody uh, later, go ask your pastor or something. Write that stuff down so that you don't forget it. Begin to journal that and take note of it. And then finally, pray again. Wrap it all up in prayer. Ask God to take all of that that you've just meditated on and resonate with you for the rest of the day. 
Ask God to just continue to show you things throughout your day about the word that you've read. Those few steps, those few steps, if you write that down, if you begin to do that and implement that, that will change your reading life because it's practical. You can accomplish that, okay? A few areas of the Bible that you might want to consider starting uh, here at Eastside, we would say maybe start in some of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke might be a little bit simpler uh, than John. Start in one of those Gospels. Or if you're a real practical person, maybe start out with the book of James. That's a pretty clear-cut book of the Bible. But start somewhere that, you know, I don't recommend Leviticus. I don't recommend Song of Solomon. You know, I don't recommend those as starting points, but find somewhere to start where you can begin to understand. Once you get it, begin to read it. And then once you read it, I want you to study it. And there's a difference here. After you spend all your time reading and you feel like you have that habit developed, begin to study God's word because there is so much in God's word that he is wanting to show you. I love this quote from Billy Graham. It says, if you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of his will. If you're ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of his will. We can't know what God desires for us if we don't know what his word says. The things that we've covered over these last three weeks, those were pretty hot button, deeper topics. We can't have an answer to any of that stuff if we don't know what God's word says about it. I did this Bible study a few years ago. It's called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Maybe some of you guys have done that study. One of the single greatest Bible studies I've ever done. And in that, there's parts of it that, that explain to us the ways that God speaks to us, how God uses his Holy Spirit to speak to us. And one of those ways was through his word. God uses that. God uses the words that are in this book to speak life to you, to to tell you what his thoughts are, to tell you the will for your life. That is found in God's word. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's word is alive, it's active. Here's what that, that word means, to be alive, to, to, to live, to breathe, to be active, to be endless in God's kingdom, to be living water, fresh, strong, efficient, active, and powerful. God's word is every single one of those things. It, it's not a book of just, uh, it's not just a collection of small books that come together and they just make a cool story. It's alive. There's meaning to it. There's depth to it. There's things in it that apply, even though it was written years ago, there's things in it that apply to us today. It is active in our life. There's a lot of different ways that you can do this. I wanna look at one more, one more verse before I get into that though. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says this, all scripture, every bit of it is God-breathed and it's useful. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God utilizes this book to teach us, to rebuke us, to tell us when we're wrong, to correct us, to train us. It equips the servant of God, it said, for every good work, everything that you need to do to accomplish God's will in your life, this book equips you to do so. It's active. 
There's a lot of different ways that you can actually do this and begin to put this to use here at Eastside. We have a lot of ways to study the Bible. One of those ways is by doing what you're doing right now. Every single week that you come here, you sit under teaching from somebody on this stage who has spent hours diving into God's word to uncover a lot of these things and to be able to share. And you know, you know here at Eastside, we love to go deeper into the word. We like to pull out a lot of the Greek meaning of certain words. We like to expound upon things that others don't. That's done here at Eastside. That is one method of being able to study the Bible even further. Another is we have incredible Bible studies that go on through our men's and women's ministry. Our men's ministry that meets on Monday nights, they love to study God's word. They do it each and every week. They dive into it. They have deep conversations about it. They love to do that. Our women's ministry is doing a Bible study that just started last week. We have those that that happen all throughout the year if you're watching for them. Another way that you can walk out of here today and start doing today is our virtual Bible study that's on Tuesday nights at 7 those videos are available all week long. They're still on our YouTube channel. You can check them out there. You can go back and watch the previous ones. We've done them through uh, parts of Revelation, through the book of James, and those are available on the app, on the website. You can access those now. And and those are are parts of the Bible that our pastors here have, again, spent countless hours working through to be able to show and reveal what God says through them. It's an incredible study. If you're a part of our Revelation study right now, your mind's probably blown each and every week by the things that have been uncovered through the first few weeks of this study. Another area that that we have available to you that you can use for study is right now media. It's pretty much, I was having a conversation with somebody this morning and they said, it's pretty much the Netflix for Bible study. And that's what it is. There are hundreds and hundreds of incredible Bible studies by incredible Bible teachers on right now media. And it's just an amazing platform. A lot of our life groups here love to use that. We have different studies here that love to use that as well. And you can do that on your own. You can do that with a group of people, but that's available to you. So literally, we have no excuse here at Eastside to say we don't have ways to study God's word. They're there, and we encourage you to begin to do it. Why? Because we become mature in our faith as we learn God's word. That's how we do it. When we learn God's word, we become more mature in the faith. So church, it comes down to this. It's time to quit being a baby. It's time to get rid of that infancy level faith that we have, and it's time to begin to get on a growth track toward maturity. We need to do this more than ever right now. Let me, let me give you one more example of why it's so important. I, I want you to think about the whole concept of infancy and maturity. Infants are fairly selfish, I can tell you. I have two of them. <laughs> but we were all there. We were all at an infant stage at one period of time. We were all babies, right, and toddlers, and and that's just a selfish stage of life. But what we find is as we begin to mature, as we begin to grow into adults, we we begin to think less of ourselves most of the time. We begin to think less of ourselves, and we begin to think more about other people. Because what we've talked about today, when we begin to study God's word, when we get it, when we read it, when we study it, it becomes a part of us. It gets in our soul, it gets in our spirit. God's word wraps itself around us and it becomes a part of us. And we can take that and we can share that with other people and be an example. And I think we all know, we can be transparent, we all know 
that we need to have that light of God's word shown in our society and in our culture and in our world right now more than ever before. This does not get better. It does not get easier. Look at what happened today. Look at what's going on in our world right now. This stuff doesn't ease up. And we need, now more than ever, to begin maturing in our faith. We need mature Christians to be around. We need to leave behind infancy, and we need to move forward. Whether it be because of a pandemic or civil unrest or tensions between families, tensions between countries, whatever it is in our world that's happening, we need to be the mature Christians. So I ask you, church, are you willing to step up? Are you willing to say, I'm gonna put the bottle down and I'm gonna grow? I'm going to do what it takes to grow and I'm going to learn God's word because that's one of the ways that I grow. So when we get the word, when we read it, when we study it, and it becomes a part of us, when that happens, it begins to look a little bit like this.